Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's up, everybody? This is Trey Biddy with hogsports.com, H-A-W-G-sports.com. We're a little disappointed today, aren't we? A little disappointed. Arkansas 38-23 losers at the hands of Auburn in a game that felt like was kind of aligning for them, maybe just the right dose of medicine coming back home after a tough road stretch. We're going to take another dive into that game, look at everything that happened. We're also going to be joined by Curtis Wilkerson because Arkansas had its red-white game on Sunday, and he's going to join us, give us his thoughts about that, along with some uh, Razorback basketball recruiting news. And we're going to take your questions as well. All that and more on Hog Sports Live. And before we get started, I want to remind you, of course, there's plenty of ways to watch and listen. You can always tune in on Facebook Live. If you haven't followed the page, then go ahead and do so. Also available on YouTube. Throw us a thumbs up or a like on both of those platforms. Subscribe to the YouTube page and hit the notifications bell so you're alerted anytime we upload new videos. Also available on Apple Podcasts. Throw us that five-star review if you haven't done so already. We've certainly got some entertaining ones uh, from people on that. And uh, also available on Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere else you can think of to find your favorite podcast. Hog Sports is just $1 right now for your first month. HAWGsports.com. All right. I'll get to this real quick because I see from Robert James Hurst, uh, he's got a he's got a concern over the predictability uh, of the first downs, and I, I've had a problem with that too. Like I, I, it bothers me when Arkansas lines up real quick. Let me get this off of here real quick. When Arkansas lines up after a big play and just runs runs the ball real quick, it's like everybody knows it's coming up the gut. But I did break it down a little bit for this one and what I came up with and I think I'm missing one play here but I got 20 runs for 50 yards on first down now that includes five runs by KJ Jefferson okay which could have been RPO so those could have been called pass plays uh, and it also includes a seven yard sack so 19 for 57 without the sack so that's uh, again five times with the with the RPO there were 19 passes on first down also so 19 passes, 19 runs, and a sack, including the RPO type. You know, so sometimes it can be a run or a pass, I guess. Um, and that includes when a penalty was accepted on a uh, on a five-yard completion to Hudson Henry. KJ was 12 and 19 for 106 yards on those first down plays. So they did run and pass. It felt I know it felt like everything. You know, it, it kept not working. I mean, the obviously the yardage is an impressive 106 passing yards on 12 and 19. So it's not like they were getting a lot either way on those so but we'll get into that here in a second I wrote an article after the game Uh, I think a lot of people read it just my thoughts on where the program is and if you did read that then this is going to be very similar to that because we're kind of going to use that as a script to to go over a few of my talking points with where Arkansas football is after a 38-23 loss to the to the Auburn Tigers third straight loss fell to four and three one and three in SEC play and again, as I was saying, it was just kind of felt like the the medicine you needed before you go and play an FCS team coupled with a bye week, you know, getting back at home. And after really – I mean, the fans were great. I mean, like Arkansas asked the fans to come out, 73,360 um, listed attendance. I'm not sure if it was exactly that much, but it was a great crowd for an 11 o'clock game. 
I think I saw the uh, uh, decibel meter uh, reach 96 a couple of times. So nice, loud game. Fans showed up. Um, Arkansas, as a team, you know, had had some mistakes that Auburn really capitalized on. Auburn played well. Bo Nix played very well. Maybe the best I've seen Bo Nix play. Um, and Arkansas had some bad luck in different forms. And, you know, when you're a team that's banged up like Arkansas is, um, you can't really hit forward to have bad luck against a good team. And that's part of the game. And part of bad luck is making mistakes and, and having somebody really make you pay for them. This was the toughest four-game stretch in the country. Nobody plays Texas A&M, Georgia, Ole Miss, and Auburn consecutively. Nobody's doing that. And three of those are away from home. And then the fourth one, you know, is in, it's in week eight. So it, it's that, that stretch is scooped out of what is already the toughest slate in the country. And you get it weeks four through eight. You know, it's not like you had a bye week right before all this started, before you jumped into this. So that's a pretty tough – you know, when people are talking about, like, the season-long grind of the SEC, this is what they're talking about. When other conference members, you know, have a program that plays the SEC team in the preseason and, you know, beat the SEC and they'll mock them and all that stuff or maybe beat them in the bowl game, that's one thing. And I think, you know, anybody can get up for a game. But to go through the gauntlet that Arkansas does pretty much every year like this, they have a stretch like this, that's what people are talking about, the season-long grind in the SEC, because there's just no off weeks. There's no time to to rest. Here it is, week eight. Are we in week eight now? Yeah, this is week eight coming up, and no no breaks for Arkansas. Now, they ought to take care of business against UAPB. I'm not saying that, but, uh, I mean, seven straight weeks of, of really tough football. So, plenty of reasons they lost to the in this game. Some of it's self-inflicted. Uh, some of it's Auburn and Bo Nix simply playing well and making you pay for your mistakes and as i said some bad luck and that includes that includes getting some crappy calls from the officials and not just crappy calls but you know calls that you know um couldn't be overturned by the video evidence like you know like rocket sanders on that one of those fourth downs early i thought that he probably got the first down it was close though it was really close had it been marked a little bit differently which could have happened it wouldn't have been overturned the other way, you know, and that's and that's what I mean. It's like it's not like a bad that wasn't a bad call by the referees. It was just a call that could have gone either way, and it didn't go Arkansas's way. And to be Arkansas, what they are right now, playing through this tough stretch, not having really the depth top to bottom overall, you need you need those kind of things. You know, Arkansas has come from a long way. They've come from a team that is, you know, needs some outside help no matter what. <laughs> no matter who they're playing, to being a team that's really dangerous when they're healthy and a team that still needs maybe a little bit of luck when they're banged up, needs, needs a few calls to go their way. They're just not good enough after all that time to, to overcome those kinds of things. They've got to be the team that makes a great call on fourth down. And I think, you know, there are some things that I would like to see them do differently. I think, um, you know, the shotgun on fourth and inches, you know, just maybe that's not the right call to make against it with this offensive line. I'm going to talk about the offensive line in a little bit. They have to be the team that has the inconclusive replay in their favor, if, if that makes sense. It feels like right now – Based on the way the season started, that four-game stretch going 4-0, and what were a lot of like reasonable preseason prognostications of getting to a bowl game, just get to a bowl game, maybe get seven. 
those get trumped by very high game-to-game expectations in the season. And then, of course, the rage that follows. Because we all experience it. And then we kind of have to sit back like, okay, you know, what were we expecting for this program when the season started? Did we get our hopes up a little bit? Maybe so. That's not to take anything away from what they've done. But it is important to remember where Arkansas has been as a program. You know, I mean, 2018, 2019, this was maybe the worst team in Power Five. Maybe the worst football program in Power Five. If it wasn't, I don't know if there were any that were worse. I mean, like, people can say, like, maybe a Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt beat Arkansas during that time. So, you can be frustrated that Arkansas football isn't where you want it to be. We all have the right to be frustrated that Arkansas football isn't where they, that we want it to be. But it is a hell of a lot better than it was, okay? I don't think that they're done taking the program and continuing moving forward. I don't think they're done. So, just be sure that you're, like, taking your frustrations out on the right people. I've seen some fans, like, there's one guy was, like, demanding answers. Like, why aren't, the, why, aren't the, why aren't the media asking tough questions? I'm just like, I mean, t- take a step back and remember where this program was. We're all disappointed. I thought they could beat Auburn. I thought they would. I picked them to beat Auburn. But there's a certain things here and there that didn't go their way, and that includes, you know, those 0 for 3 on fourth downs. They get those fourth downs. They're all close. Say they get those fourth downs. Then what? Totally different game. The margin for error – is so thin in this conference. And it so often comes down to mistakes, injuries, penalties, turnovers, special teams, those types of things are what ultimately can cause so many problems. And for Arkansas on defense, you know, we talk about depth being an issue and how important it is in this conference to stay healthy. And also your second team needs to be about as good as your first team. And some teams, the programs that can do that, I mean, really stand out. So Arkansas is missing a lot of players on defense. People are going to say I'm making excuses and stuff, but it doesn't matter. I'm not Sam Pittman and I'm not K.J. Jefferson. I can lay out what happens with Arkansas football. Like if I, if I list an injury report, that's not a list of excuses. That's just what's happening. If I say that Arkansas can't overcome bad calls or injuries or not having some things swing in their favor because they're not in that situation as a program yet, that's not an excuse. That's just what's happening to this program. That's where they are. They can't. They cannot afford to be a team in week eight that's banged up, that gets a few crappy, untimely calls, and they were untimely. And we're, we're going to go over a few of them too. Some of them were bad calls. Some of them were no calls. Some of them were, you know, 50-50 calls that just didn't go in Arkansas's favor. And I know the response is, you got to understand that officiating is going to be bad and you got to overcome it. Well, they can't necessarily. They're not in that place as a program to overcome things like that. We'll get to those calls in just a minute. Let's see. Where are my my notes? I would encourage all y'all to read this because I've just kind of broken it down. I like the way I did it. All right. Let's get to the penalties. So on the two-point conversion try, this is a no-call. Go back and watch it if you don't believe me. Slow-mo it. But dude is all over Traylon Burks' back. And this isn't a situation where I'll get him the next time. You got that one chance, you know, to get that two-point try. Uh, had Jarquez Hunter's first quarter fumble been ruled as such on the field? 
then maybe they wouldn't have tried to lure Sam Pittman into some circular maze of logic explanation as to why that wasn't a fumble because it was. I, w- I go back and watch the game on TV, and I hear Rick Neuheisel. I hear Aaron Murray. Um, who, I can't remember who the other guy is in the booth, but all of them. And then the replay officials expert all say it's a fumble, and it's just a matter of time of you know figuring out where the ball is supposed to be or if Arkansas – Arkansas did recover the ball. Uh, it was a fumble. And if that's not a fumble – I thought the ball was being dislodged. Or the ex- explanation they gave to Pittman is like he's being lifted up out of the air. I thought his foot was still on the ground when the ball was being dislodged. If that's not a fumble, I'm not sure what is. And I've seen some impressive explanations for why a fumble isn't a fumble throughout the years, including last year. I've seen some doozies. You know, I always think back like, you know, when Arkansas gets a bad fumble call against Auburn, um, you know, that game back in 2010, was it 2010? 2010 at Auburn where Tremaine Thomas knocks the ball out of the running back's hands before he crosses the goal line, and they say he crossed the goal line, which that was a fumble also. It's amazing how, you know, with certain teams, there always seems to be kind of certain themes like that. With 12.25 to play on third and six, the ball landed seven feet out of bounds, and Hudson Clark was called for pass interference. Now, when I watched the game, I thought, okay, maybe he maybe he might have passed, you know, been pass interference because he didn't turn around and look at the ball. But watching it on replay, first of all, I'm not sure that he did interfere. I don't know what he was – he didn't turn around and look for the ball, but I don't know that he was, like, tangled up or anything like that. And the ball's seven yards out of bounds with a six-foot wide receiver. Nobody could have caught that ball. And that was as big a play as any in the ball game. It was third and six, 12-25 to play. Arkansas had to have a stop. And there's a flag that gets thrown that shouldn't have been thrown. Again, that 621 mark where uh, I thought Sanders got past the line, 621 before the half. um, I thought he got past the line, but it was still really close. And, again, that's just – you know, that was one of those where 50-50, Arkansas needed something like that to go in their favor. Monteric Brown, I didn't think he was guilty of pass interference with 541 uh, to go, but that didn't really matter because he ended up uh, intercepting the pass later. And that was a big moment in the game when Arkansas got the double possessions there. Now, there were plenty of other issues. Arkansas did some things themselves. Even talking to Sam Pittman today, he thought that, that you know, K.J. didn't have the same, like, sense of urgency, same – didn't play as well as, as what they've seen from him. And, you know, he's a guy that might be a little bit banged up too, but we've certainly ex- come to expect a little bit better from K.J., you know, passing the ball and everything. And there was a moment with 3.30 to play in the first quarter, third and three, and uh, I thought K.J. could have, you know, he would have maybe taken some contact there, but I thought he could have easily gotten the third down conversion. And if, even if he had just gotten close, probably would have went for it. But it's third and three, and he throws deep to the end zone got to get the chains moving you got to you got to you know remember the down and distance there I thought that was a, a critical mistake there early in the game I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So also some another problem, you know, that I kind of see is like when it's us against them, that kind of thing, like we're going to do this, we're going to line up and we're going to bully you and there's 12 inches to gain and we're just going to move the pile. I don't know that that is – the best strategy with this offensive line. Now, obviously, you got to mix it up and do different things. But I've said before, and I think we we talked about this a lot in the preseason, that Arkansas has a good offensive line, but this isn't a great offensive line from a personnel standpoint. It's a good offensive line. We thought, you know, probably be an average offensive line entering season. I, I think if you'll remember, said plenty of times. I think Arkansas's offensive line will be better than half the teams that they play this season. I think they're probably five and two in those matchups so far this year. I think they're probably five and two. Now, I think moving forward, looking ahead, there's some really massive, really high ceiling offensive linemen on this team that if they play with the same grit, determination that these older guys ahead of them who may not have the same ceiling then I think they have a chance to be a really good offensive line and can win those. Let's line up. It's 12 inches to gain. We're just going to move you out of the way. But Arkansas isn't there right now. Now, they, they're they polished. They're, um, you know, they, they you know, know how to get to the right spot. But when it's like we're getting in tight, they're getting in tight, a good offensive line versus some of these great defensive fronts, it doesn't always get you the results you want. And, of course, we saw that on Saturday. This program has taken some good strides forward, but not personnel-wise because of the depth, not a championship-contending program right now. They're just not. They're still a good program. They're still a good team. I think they're better than what most people thought. Still got a great chance at winning seven and possibly eight. I mean, Baton Rouge is always going to be tough. It's going to be tough to go down there. Alabama it almost seems insurmountable to go down there and win. But things happen in football. LSU can be – you know, you can get LSU. It's a possibility. I definitely think they got a great shot at Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Or, excuse me, at Mississippi State and Missouri. And take care of business this weekend. That gets you to six, seven if you win both of them. Maybe eight if you can beat LSU. You just got to get healthy. And they're going to do that this week. They're going to, you know, make sure that they and, – and Pittman was even saying, like, it didn't matter who we played this week. We don't really have any other choice but to make sure we try to get healthy this week. And then if they can have a good week of that this week, get out of the game healthy, put UAPB away early, get some backups, some younger guys in there. Then the next week you're going to see them really, really focus on healing up for this final stretch. I think, uh, again, not to take anything away from what Arkansas has accomplished so far, but I think they were able to take advantage of a couple of inexperienced quarterbacks early in, this, early in the year and really made them pay for it. And that's, that's fortunate for Arkansas that it lined up like that. And you know what? Arkansas is due – a little bit of luck and a little bit of positivity from a scheduling standpoint. I think it was a lot better to catch Texas in week two than than in week eight. And I would have liked to have seen how this game turned out had Arkansas caught Auburn in week two instead of week eight because I think it probably would have ended up different. A lot of it's about when it, something falls on your schedule. 
you know, we talked about defense and the injuries, and it's not just the injuries. You know, they've got like everybody's got everybody's banged up, right? I mean, you've got guys that are just banged up, but you know, you lose Dorian Gerald week one on the defensive line, who's a starter for you. Um, you lose in this game. You don't have Ladarius Bishop out there. You don't have Markel Utzi out there, and you don't have Jalen Catalan, who's a preseason All American, and he's gone for the season with shoulder surgery, which went well today for him. Uh, and and Pittman didn't know if he's like planning on coming back to Arkansas or what the deal is. He kind of assumed that he would be coming back, which may be good news for Arkansas if that's if that's true. But uh, you know, Arkansas doesn't have a whole lot of depth. They just don't, and they've been you know pretty fortunate overall. They haven't had just a ton of guys that they've lost, and and really only two guys that are that are out out. And Dalton Wagner will be back eventually on offense. But just to kind of wrap it up, Arkansas lost Saturday because of poor execution on first down, time after time, depth issues, questionable decisions on third and fourth down, key injuries, bad luck, bad flags, bad no calls, Auburn just having a solid game plan, and uh, Bo Nix really playing well overall. All those are reasons. Now, people try to make it one thing. This is why they lost. That's why they lost. Why does it have to be one thing? There's plenty of reasons. There's plenty of things that come, come together that uh, resulted in Arkansas losing that game. I've seen some people also complain that Sam Pittman said after the game that he didn't have the team well prepared and he was out coached. Are you serious? Like, you know what the previous coach used to say? He used to blame everybody but himself. And Pittman may not believe that entirely, but he's not going to throw anybody under the bus. He hasn't done that since he's been here. That's exactly what you say as a head coach. It was my fault. I got to do a better job coaching. You don't say, well, we got to get some better players in here. We're in a hole as a program. We got to, it's not an overnight fix. We just got to get, we got to recruit better. We got to recruit our way out of this. How do you feel if you're a player and your coach is saying that? We know exactly. Screw that guy. I'm not fighting for that guy. That's what we saw. Sam, or excuse me, with uh, Chad Morris. No, this is my fault. I didn't have him prepared. But the truth is, Bad luck, bad flags, injuries, Auburn playing well, questionable calls, depth issues. These are all reasons. It's not just Sam Pittman not having the team prepared like he should have or being outcoached. A lot of reasons. Got to give credit to Auburn. Auburn played well. Had some things happen in their favor at the same time. And that's what, that's what this league is. Again, razor thin, margin of error. Pittman said in the past that the great programs are the one that can run the ball when they have to and can stop the run when they must. Arkansas had to run the ball on those fourth downs and had to have them. And that's a big reason the score is what it was because Arkansas couldn't run the ball when they had to. They picked up 232 rushing yards, but it's those certain moments, those key moments that Arkansas couldn't overcome. Keep developing those offensive linemen. And I think the future will look great, and one day you'll be able to do something like that. Again, on the running back situation, and Sam Pittman addressed this today. I was going to ask the question. I think Nate Allen got the question in before me. But just why is it Dominic Johnson carrying the ball more? Like Rocket Sanders and Dominic Johnson. Dominic Johnson's parents love me because I say this all the time. But I'm not saying this for, just for them. I appreciate it. But I'm not saying this just for them. <laughs> Because I've, I've felt it for a long time. The guy runs smooth. He's big. He moves the pile forward. I mean, this guy always falls forward. 
six carries for 42 yards. That's not enough opportunities for him. For a guy that's seven yards per rush, 6.6 yards per carry on the season, both of those led in that game and leads on the season. Has the longest run from scrimmage, I believe, 48 yards. 6'1", 235, give him the ball more. You can't just keep trying to keep all backs healthy. Who's rotating four backs? And I get A.J. Green's going to be a good player. He still needs some work. I'm not sure Traylon Smith fits every single strategy. Now, he he does some good things, but the thing with Traylon is you don't always get that fall forward factor. It's like feast or famine in a lot of ways. And I love Traylon Smith. I think he's got roles in certain games where he can be, you know, just completely explode. But a lot of times in these SEC games, it's about staying ahead of the chains. And a guy like Dominic Johnson is averaging 6.6 yards a carry and is 235 pounds. And nobody likes tackling that guy. He's also your best guy in pass pro. So, next couple of weeks are big for Arkansas to get healthy. They, as I said, they can probably beat Mississippi State. I know they can beat Missouri. I'm going to go ahead and pick them to beat Missouri. That's how I feel about it. LSU can be beaten. So, again, you know, just looking back on the whole thing, expectations levels rise after a 4-0 start. But when you sit back and say, where should this program be? Are they not past that right now? You want answers? You want tough questions to the coach? Demand answers? Where has this program been? Perspective. Just a little perspective. All right. I've gone a little bit long. I want to get to Curtis Wilkerson because there's so many great things to talk about right now with Razorback basketball. For those of you who don't follow Curtis, you can follow him at Kurt Wilkerson underscore. And if you're not following him and you want Razorback basketball coverage, I mean, you're just you're just doing it wrong because this guy is the guy. He's the new guy when it comes to Razorback basketball, and everybody's going to be knowing. Curtis, hey, how you doing, brother? I'm great. How are you? I'm just singing your praises a little bit. You did some great coverage from uh, the basketball game. You guys haven't followed his channel um, for Hog Hoops Live. You should do so. He did a stand-up after the game and just kind of broke down everything. Also, a VIP article breaking down all the players, the new faces, and what he sees from Razorback basketball. Of course, a standard game piece and all that. But uh, the recruiting information that Curtis brings is is really unmatched. And his insight into Razorback basketball, I think if you, you throw him a follow, you'll see what I mean because he's going to put all his, his content on his Twitter page also. So, Curtis, just jumping into it, uh, let's, let's actually first, I want to get your thoughts on, on just how the game played out. Um, I know we all picked Arkansas to win the game, and it didn't work out that way. Yeah, you know, I think this is probably the first time all season uh, that I came away just just disappointed. Uh, you know, the Georgia game, well, uh, you know, yeah. I think we kind of understand where they were at with that one. The Ole Miss game, that was frustrating, the loss, you know, one point. But you're on the road, Ole Miss is a really good team. But this Auburn game, I, this is the one that I kind of had circled. You know, you're you're at home. You're ranked. Auburn's not. Mm-hmm. You're, you're favored to win the game, and it, it just kind of felt like Arkansas had a lot of opportunities to do it, uh, and and they just weren't able to. And, and I mean, you went over it really detailed there. There were a lot, you know, one thing here or there that could have gone different. They mm-hmm. could have got it done, but uh, you know, it, it's it was it was uh, it was just unfortunate, you know. And and I think it did show uh, that this is a team that's banged up. 
And, you know, I think we kind of knew that coming into the season. It's just it's just such a gauntlet uh, without having any buy beforehand to, to break that thing up a little bit. Uh, so it's coming at the right time. And, and I think I think Pittman's right. You know, they've got a chance to get healed up here. The back end of the schedule is, is favorable, and, and they've got an opportunity to make a run. Uh, and, and hopefully they do, and, and maybe they can get out and, and to War Memorial and, you know, kind of – just regain a little bit of momentum and, and get the taste of victory back in their mouth a little bit to, you know, just kind of spark them some moving forward because three in a row, uh, no matter who you're playing, that can that can bring you down a little bit. Yeah, absolutely can. Again, Curtis Wilkerson uh, joining us. You can follow him at Kurt Wilkerson underscore. So now flipping to basketball, Curtis, I know you've been waiting to talk about that, waiting to uh, to get to some Razorback basketball. I wish I was there. I wish I'd gone to the to the red white, and I, I can't wait to see these guys uh, in action next week. I guess against um, um, uh, in an exhibition game. I don't guess that one's going to be televised, is it? It might not be televised. I I, I saw somewhere today that it won't be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have that confirmed yet, but we'll have to see. But yeah, I've, I've heard that it won't. So, what's your thoughts on on how things played out in the red white game? I know that was your your first opportunity to really see a lot of these guys like in a game like you've seen a practice, but like in a game like environment. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, the white team won for whatever it's worth. You know, the the bragging rights yeah. or whatever. I like the red roster. I, I I picked the red roster to win, so I'm I'm a little yeah, bit surprised. Yeah, I think a lot of people did, and and you know, I was throwing it in there. You know, to keep a keep an eye out for White because when you've got two guys like you know JD Note and Chris Likes who can just go ballistic offensively at any point if, if both of them get cooking at the same time I don't know who can keep up with them and, and they kind of did in the second half after falling behind mm-hmm. so it was uh, it was fun to watch it was a really good atmosphere uh, you know I, I think it's cool that they did it there in Burnhill Arena but yeah you know first impressions. Uh, it was really interesting because the last time I was, you know, courtside for a game, you know, just kind of right on top of the action was at the at the Elite Eight in Indianapolis. They had us right there on top of the floor uh, for that Baylor game. And, you know, I just remember looking and, and just being like, man, this almost looks like man versus boy. And, and that's not a knock on Arkansas. I mean, Baylor was just – those guys were hooked up. They were well put together. Uh, and the very first thing that I noticed when I walked in the morning yesterday and those guys were warming up, that's not going to be the case this year. This Arkansas team, you can tell they've been in the weight room. The additions that they've made, these are strong uh, veteran guys. Just They're just physically put together. They look the part. And, you know, one of my concerns, I think, ahead of the season was, you know, they're a little bit shorter uh, on the front line, they've only got two guys over six seven. So you wonder how are they going to rebound and, and defend the paint? Uh, but from a physical makeup and strength standpoint, I, I'm I'm not as worried about that now after mm-hmm. seeing them yesterday. So uh, that definitely stood out. You know, I, I think the returners have have evolved. Uh, you know, Devo Davis has been taking a ton of reps at point guard, which is you know that's obviously a change from last year. I think he looks pretty comfortable there. Uh, Jalen Williams, I think he's taking a big step forward. He looks good. He's he's really leaned up, uh, has a lot of confidence in that three-point shot. J.D. Note has really transformed his body. And, you know, he's he's gotten better and he's improved, but he's still the same guy that's going to make you pull your hair out a little bit uh, with some of his shot selection. But, uh, you know, I, I was impressed with the progress those guys have made. And then, you know, just some standouts. Uh, when it comes to those newcomers, because that's who you're really excited to see, you know, for that first time out. 
Uh, Stanley Amude, the, the transfer out of South Dakota, I, I think he's going to be just really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he had 16 points and 11 boards, a, a double-double on his debut, which is cool, but uh, he can really score it in a variety of ways. He's a little more perimeter-oriented than I thought. I mean, he can, can put it on the floor and create. His, he's got a quick release on a three-point shot. Uh, Musselman's running some sets for him and, and posting him up. So he's, you know, he's doing a little bit of everything there. I think he's going to be really good. Uh, Chris likes, you know, still got to kind of figure out the playbook a little bit at, you know, at the point guard position. But uh, man, when he gets going on the open floor or turns the corner, he's he's just got a different gear than anybody else out there. Uh, and one who really surprised me that's flown under the radar is Jackson Robinson. You know, yeah. this is the guy that Arkansas recruited so heavily. Uh, out of high school, he wound up going to Texas A&M, and, and that situation was a mess last year. They missed an entire month uh, with a COVID shutdown. He never really got settled in, but he transferred to Arkansas this year. Uh, this is a guy that's 6'6", 6'7", he's really long, and he can flat out shoot the basketball. Uh, he knocked down four threes, and you know he's got some, some plus attributes as a defender. Uh, he just looked really good, and this is a guy that Musselman said you know a number of times down the preseason – that he's really low maintenance, and and what he means by that is he doesn't have to get onto him because he's always in the right position, doing the right things. He has an understanding of the system, and when you're that size and you can shoot it the way he can, that that's a pretty good recipe to get into the rotation. So he's definitely one to have eye on too. You know, Curtis, it's kind of interesting when you think about the makeup of Eric Musselman's basketball teams <laughs> over the years, and you've got you know the two thousand or the first year, I guess two thousand nineteen, you had you know really a team that was made up of players that were you know coming back aside from Jimmy Witt who was actually at Arkansas before so maybe you can kind of count him in there but like you know Mason Jones Isaiah Joe you know Arkansas guys guys that were brought out of the recruiting uh, side of things and then the next year you've got kind of more of a a mix of like you know the freshmen you know like uh, Moses Moody and Devo and Jalen Williams and those guys plus you know some of the key transfers like you know Ethan Henderson and JD Note and you know all those guys that transferred in uh, last year that were you you know such a big impact and then this year you have some of those guys that were you know recruited to Arkansas out of high school and stuff you know Devo KK all those guys but it does feel like there's more transfers like this is a super heavy transfer roster team and then you look ahead to next year how next year might be and it's going to be super heavy on a a phenomenal freshman recruiting class it's like you know he's he's basically got four different types of teams that he's assembled he's showing he can do it every single way yeah it's it's insane and and you know the thing about Moss is he's the kind of guy that, that goes to bed at night and he thinks about those things. You know, he, he probably sits there and goes, you know what, I've, I've built it through the transfer portal and I've proven that, but i got to go show that I can do it with high school kids. So, you know what, I think next year I'm just going to bring in, you know, a pair of five stars and mm-hmm. the top class in the SEC. And then he just goes out and does it. And, you know, he, he doesn't run out of energy. And it's so true. And I thought about that and actually put a little side note in it in the, uh, the Red White Gamer piece was – it was just really interesting. You know, you're sitting there in Barnhill Arena and you're reminded of the past, you know, of the program and all the rich history and tradition. And then you're watching the team on the floor and, and that's the present, right? And, and there's just so much high expectation for that group. And then you look around in the stands and you've got the future. You know, Nick Smith was there. Jordan Walsh was there. Darian Ford, Joseph Pinion. So four of those five commitments of that great recruiting class uh, who are going to be, you know, suiting up for the Razorbacks next year 
they were all there in attendance. So it was just really a special day. And it's so true. He's just uh, really proven to be adaptable. And, and it's just so important, you know, with the way the game is evolving nowadays. So I think Arkansas has definitely got a good one there with Moss. Did you see Nick Smith just straight dogging on the uh, SAE? Not dogging on him, but just, just tearing him up. on It looked like a nine-foot goal <laughs> at the SAE house. Yeah, I I love that. I love watching that. And, you know, the good thing about it, too, is anytime you see that, I, I think about when I was coaching, you know, we used to, to tell the guys, hey, please just don't play in intramurals because we don't right. want you to get hurt. You know, Pick up but, bad habits, all those kinds yeah, of things. Yeah, but you could tell that, you know, those guys, I, I think, understood that they were playing with them. They weren't challenging them too much and being rough with them and things. Could you, I mean, could you imagine if you were to oh, you know, turn an ankle yeah. or something? That would be terrible. But looked like he had a lot of fun. I think that's really cool that he got out there and did that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Curtis, anything else you want to chime in on before we let you go? Yeah, just a, a couple other quick things. Uh, the the AP Top 25 was released today, the yeah. preseason poll for basketball. Uh, Arkansas slots in at number 16. So, uh, you know, interesting thing about that, it, it's the first time that Arkansas has been included in the preseason AP Top 25 since the 2007-2008 season. Mm-hmm. That seems crazy to me. It's the highest they've been ranked in the poll since the 2000-2001 season. So it's it's kind of a rare deal, and, and what's awesome about it to me is that a lot of people are ticked over it, right? They, they yeah. think that it's a little bit too low, and I think that tells you, you know, just, just the momentum that this program has right now. You know, it was also released today that, uh, hey, the, the season's sold out. There mm-hmm. are no tickets for Arkansas basketball. Fantastic. Uh, you know, it's the it's the fifth largest on campus arena in the country, mm-hmm. and there's not going to be a seat. And and so to me, that's, and they say they overbuilt it. Games. They say it was overbuilt. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Maybe they should expand. I yeah. mean, it, it, that's that's 19 home games, and in my opinion, that's 19 wins. Because if you have a team that's as talented as Arkansas is, uh, and you're going to have that kind of crowd on a nightly basis, you better be. 10 points better than Arkansas if you're going to come into Fayetteville and beat them. I just don't think there's that many teams that are. So Mm. uh, it's going to be a huge home court advantage for the Razorbacks this year. All right, Curtis. Appreciate you, brother. Always. All right, everybody. Curtis Wilkerson, again, follow him at Kurt Wilkerson underscore on Twitter. And if you want to read his basketball content, a lot of the best stuff is VIP, including the recruiting information. So it's just $1 right now for your first month, HAWGsports.com. So there are a few things that we want to go over real quick before we get to your questions. Uh, Layden Blocker, by the way, number 34 overall uh, prospect in the class of 2023, um, has cut his list down. 6'2", 175-pound point guard, Arkansas, is among his top seven. So it's not just class of 2022 recruiting going on. As, as Curtis mentioned, Arkansas is number 16 in the AP preseason top 25 poll. I think that they'll finish higher than that. I think you do too. Arkansas is 16th in 247 two, sports, 247 sports a countdown for 2021-22. Um, Kevin Flaherty uh, at 24-7 Sports has a nice long breakdown. If you want to read something from a national an- analyst um, with expert take, recruiting expert take, why Arkansas could reach this point or maybe even better, breaking down how good they could be, why Arkansas could fall short of this ranking. Um, a lot of – I mean, it's a long, long breakdown. Really good job uh, by Kevin at our national desk. Uh, as Curtis mentioned, um, White beats Red 74-63. I thought the Red would win. Ed Orgeron is out at LSU. 
He's going to finish out the season. There's a long list of candidates, long list. Everybody from Mel Tucker, who I think might be a really good fit. Uh, he's coached three different places in the SEC, spent five years in the SEC doing a good job at Mich- uh, Michigan State. James Franklin's name has been brought up. Luke Fickle, I don't know how good a fit, a fit that would be. Bob Stoops, Lane Kiffin, that would be interesting. Two programs that don't like each other. Billy Napier makes a lot of sense at Louisiana. Mario Cristobal at Oregon. I don't know if that's happened. Dave Aranda, I think he would obviously take that job. Joe Brady, only 32 years old, but certainly the engineer of that offense that won the national championship. Ken Palm also uh, has released its preseason top 25. Where do they have Arkansas? I think they have Arkansas pretty similar. I think right around 16, so everybody – no, 15. So everybody thinking Arkansas somewhere around 15. I saw a lot of preseason stuff where Arkansas seemed to be like right around 10th, so maybe a little bit higher. Um, switching over to football real quick, the last thing I want to get to is um, the bowl game isn't as good as it's been as far as projection stuff. We've seen Arkansas with the Sugar Bowl projection and Arkansas with the Citrus Bowl. Well, right now it's the Outback, which is still a really good bowl and a really good location against Nebraska. I would take that right now. I would take Nebraska. Okay. Question time. Only good questions today. Seth Duvall says the decision to kick the 50-plus yard field goal instead of punting wasn't a good decision, in my opinion. Gave Auburn a short field, and they went down to score, go up 14-3. Yeah, I think you're possibly right on that also. It it does seem like the decisions that they made just didn't work out, whether it was going for it on fourth down or punting. It just and, – and Sam Pittman, you know, even said the same thing. Uh, Philip Warren says, why do you think our defense seems to get beat up, get beat deep so much? Uh, well, I think part of it is, you know, Hudson Clark is a guy that can help them. I don't know if he's a starter in the SEC. Okay, so losing Ladarius Bishop hurt there. Um, another time you had, you know, just one bad step by Miles Slusher and dude flies past him and scores, you know, a touch. I mean, that's just little mistakes like that. You, you just can't have it. You know, I think – Having a healthy Jalen Catalan, having a healthy Ladarius Bishop probably would have changed things. Arkansas just doesn't necessarily have the same level of depth. I mean, when you take out, you know, Slusher's got all the ability in the world to be a really good player, but he needs more action. He's barely played this year. Um, you know, Hudson Clark, you know, um, has been the backup all year to Ladarius Bishop for a reason. That's not to, like, dog either of those guys. It's just, like, they're not Jalen Catalan. They're not Ladarius Bishop. And, um Marcus Miller isn't uh, in in Utsy. Not that he was supposed to be Utsy, but he was supposed to be the backup to Utsy. You know, I mean, Marcus Miller hasn't played really all year, so I think that's all factoring into it. And just overall, and you know, Sam Pittman's not going to say that, but they've got to continue to recruit and improve on defense. They just do. Depth is a big problem now. Arkansas is healthy. They are a dangerous team for anybody. Uh, you t- you march in Arkansas healthy Arkansas team out there against almost anybody. Maybe not Georgia, maybe not Alabama, but almost anybody, Arkansas is going to give them a fight. Banged up, they're going to need some help. They just do. It's where the program is. Donnell Poole says, probably a little bit of bragging about Arkansas Razorback defense and when we played Georgia Bulldogs, the defense was shot down. And I don't know if they stayed that way since they played Auburn. It wasn't too much of a change in the defense. Not 100% sure what you're saying, Donnell, but um, Georgia certainly gave them everything that they wanted. I mean, they just constantly pounded, pounded. They only threw the ball four times in the second half. 
Isaac Riley says, hopefully they get healthy before SEC play continues. I don't know if anyone else agrees, but Bryles' play calling is frustrating from time to time. I mean, in the Ole Miss game, he was a genius, if I remember. <laughs> you know? I don't know that it was all play calling. I mean, I think there were things that could have been executed a little bit different. Like, you know, just for example, that third and three early in the game, I feel like K.J. could have tucked that and gotten it instead of throwing deep. I mean, that's a it's almost a prayer right there, you know, on third and three, trying to keep the chains moving. K.J. will continue to get better the more he plays. I mean, like, I don't think anybody should be down on K.J. and his potential. He's got a – he's – I mean, he continues to improve. I mean, like, Bo Nix has probably played his best game. He's continued to improve. A lot of quarterbacks do that throughout their careers. They get better. Gary Smith says, what's the answer with these penalties? These issues go back decades with the SEC. Do we need to stop saying yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and start raising hell with the head office? I mean, everybody's upset with SEC officiating today. When I mean, you look at what happened in that Tennessee Ole Miss game, I mean, there were some bad calls, obviously, and fans really let out their frustration in, in the wrong way, and they actually incurred a $250,000 fine for throwing all that stuff on the field. But you wish that they would say something instead of just like, you know, getting after the fans like, hey, we got to look at ourselves, you know, how we officiate games because it is game after game where there's just like every week it seems like there's something. And we can certainly count to plenty of them in Arkansas. And I know people say you can't blame the refs, and I'm not blaming the refs for the loss. But you can absolutely say that played a part in why Arkansas lost. They could have done other things, sure. But it's the truth. I thought they said that Ole Miss – I thought Brett Murphy tweeted that uh, – not Ole Miss, but that uh, Tennessee was going to get a, a ban on alcohol sales. He said they're not at this time. But I was like, oh, my God. That's harsh. You know, at the same time, like, you got guys like Lane Kiffin who are telling his players to get hurt. Did you guys watch that game? You think all those players – I mean, it's like – what was it, like 46 degrees in Knoxville and everybody's going down with a cramp? Serious? One time after another, guys just, you know, line up for the next play and it's like they're going to fall down. I mean, it's blatant. It's They're not even trying to hide it. And that's what Kevin's going to do again. He's going to be the guy. He's like kind of like the brat kid you played in, you know, PlayStation back in the day who who goes for it on all the fourth downs, knows a few gimmick trick plays or something like that, and is going to have his players fake injuries to slow momentum to get the personnel that he wants out on the field just to frustrate him because he can do it. He's going to do things the way he wants to do it. And I guess he should. Hell, I don't like it. I think it's – I think it ruins the spirit of the game, as I've said before. I think it's – it's. I mean, it's not cheating technically, but it is. It's kind of like the unwritten rule, you know, which is sometimes more important than the written one. John Sullivan says, when do you think it's time to start letting some of these young guys play? Bryce Stevens can drop passes just as easily as Warren. Yeah, that was a big drop. You can't have stuff like that. I mean, he was wide open on that play. Oh, wide open. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a good opportunity to explore some different options. Maybe, you know, you look at some things on the offensive line. You know, he's talked about getting those bigger guys in there. Maybe this week is a good week to try them out a little bit, give them some experience. But I don't know if it's like a situation where it's like, okay, it's time to start playing the young guys. It's time to start playing the young guys. There's still a lot to play for this year. And when this team is healthy again, when they're healthy, they are dangerous for anybody. I mean, you can look at them and see that they're not playing with the same level of intensity, enthusiasm, all that stuff. And a lot of it's because they're just banged up. I mean, as we mentioned, you know, um, 
everybody's got a little something wrong with them. Ty Clary has, what, a shoulder and a back issue. Um, you know, Jalen Catalan's been playing with a broken hand and a, sh- a tear in his front and back of his shoulder. Grant Morgan's got something on his knee. As I mentioned, Dalton Wagner broke his finger. Um, everybody's got injuries like that. And it's not that other teams don't. It's just that most other teams aren't playing eight straight weeks of football without a break at all. And a stretch like that of Texas A&M, Georgia, Ole Miss, Auburn, back to back to back to back, and three of those away from home. And this game right here coming up, I know it's in Little Rock, it's home, but you still got to travel for it. You still don't have, you know, all your stuff around you, the friendly confines, that you know, what you're comfortable with. You're still having to travel and go on the road, and this is the fourth time out of the last five games that they're going to have to do that. Yeah, bring in the big backs. More carries for Dominic Johnson. When it's fourth and inches, he's the guy that should be in there. Him or Rocket at least, and Rocket didn't have some success in that situation, but I really think that Dominic is the guy to have in there and really be the guy that carries the ball maybe more than anybody else. And I don't know what I don't – like, am I seeing – like, is there something I'm missing on that? I don't think so. I've always viewed myself as the guy that can really evaluate running backs, and I think Dominic Johnson is the guy that – should be getting like 15 carries a game. Cody Payne says, Trey, I agree when Coach said, what are you asking? Are we going to quit? That's the answer we want to see. Yeah. That was an interesting moment in the press conference. Trey, how are the TV schedules determined, the 11? Well, the, I mean, they're just determined by the networks. ESPN, CBS determines 12 days out, usually 12 days out. They can exercise a six-day option every once in a while. But usually 12 days out, they decide what – There's no. by the way, there's no 11 a.m. kickoffs in the SEC this weekend or the bye weekend. The bye weekend, there's no 11 a.m. kickoffs. John Sullivan says, no way anyone can make me believe that Clark is our third best DB. Wes Miller says, what happened to the defensive line? They were – the rage the first part of the season have been non-existent the last three games. Well, again, you know, I think maybe a little bit banged up. I think Ridgeway might be because he hasn't been quite at the same level either. Um, I think a lot of it's running into, you know, other really talented teams, first of all. You know, Georgia especially on the offensive line, they were, they were brutal. Um, Ole Miss has a very explosive offense and goes for it on fourth downs a lot and got a lot of those fourth downs. I mean, those go a different way. Who knows what happens? Um Injuries. I mean, you didn't have Markel Etsy in this one either. You lost Dorian Gerald at the beginning of the year, but uh, we did see a lot better from the defensive line early in the season, I think. And I thought the defensive line looked good early on against Ole Miss, but kind of waned as the game went on. Norman Hunt says, when you compare what we've been through and teams like Tennessee and South Carolina are going through now, I think most Razorback fans should be should feel pretty good about where we're headed. At least we don't flip out and start throwing things. Uh, and I agree with that. And it's after the game, you're going to be you're going to be upset. Okay, you're going to forget about any hopes or ideas that you thought Arkansas probably would be, and you're exchanging it each game for, you know, just the what comes with football. That's what makes football fun: the roller coaster, the highs and the lows. Just getting really upset after a loss. Never. I mean, like, what do you think is going to happen this season? Arkansas is just going to win every game. That wasn't going to happen. If, you, if that was your expectation, then they're going to lose. I mean, it's going to happen. Unless you're just a great, great team like Georgia's got, 
um, or LSU was, or you know, or Alabama was last year. Kevin Venable says, I noticed going back to last year, opposing offenses burning 17 deep and man-to-man. Yeah, they would – like, he would struggle, like, especially if you put a double move on him, um, then you could see some of that. But there was also, again, you know, I'll say this, that Ole Miss game last year, Arkansas doesn't win without Hudson Clark. Philip Doolin says, do you think Catalan will go pro? When I heard the news that he was going to have the surgery, I kind of thought, yeah. You know, I mean, he wants to get healthy, you know, for when that time period comes around to be healthy. Um, is why he would have the surgery now. But, I mean, Pittman didn't seem to think that that was, you know, where he was going. But I think if, you know, Catalan had put together a season similar to how he did last year, uh, I think there's no question he would have. Now, I don't know. Keith Bowler says need a power forward for next year. I mean, Jordan Walsh can be that. I mean, they 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 want to be pretty positionless. I mean, that's a guy that I would have at the four. But they have – I mean, they still have, you know, like Kamani Johnson. And, I mean, there's there's still a lot of guys that will be there next year also that are, that are on this team right now. They can play that spot. Uh, Kenny Harris says, who decides the bye weeks for each team? Well, I mean, it's, it's – Arkansas sets their schedule with their non-conference opponents, okay? And then the SEC plans the rest of the schedule, okay? And then Arkansas can move things around if they need to, I guess. But um, that's just kind of how it works. And this time, it just didn't work out well. I mean, to me, like, what are you really going to change? You know, you got UAPB late. You do get a double buy for this big stretch in a way. I mean, FCS opponent, I don't mean to say they're a buy, but um, that's a game that you should definitely take care of. But it just it just shakes out the way it shakes out sometimes. Carl Crote Crandall says, Trey, how would you compare the O-line under Coach Sam Pittman now while working under Coach B, it feels like we're using the OL differently now. We're trying to establish a running game. We use so I would say like just from a personnel standpoint, um, I mean it's pretty much his own blocking. But uh, I would say from a personnel standpoint that they have a lot of veterans who've been around the block and know what they're doing out there. Who maybe at the same time you don't see like five guys with NFL potential on that offensive line. Maybe two guys, but not five. So when I look back at that offensive line under Sam Pittman, what are we talking about? Denver Kirkin at left tackle. Sebastian Dratola at left guard. Mitch Smothers at center. Frank Ragnow at right guard. Dan Skipper at right tackle. Four of those guys played in the NFL, and Mitch Smothers was a hell of a center and a multi-year starter also and didn't play in the NFL, but he was a hell of a center. So that would be the difference, I guess. I mean, you get that offensive line that you can start talking about, hey, we'll line up against you and we're just going to move you and we're going to get this first down on fourth and one. Kevin Venable says, oh, for October and SEC play, not a good sign, but as Coach Nutt would say, they remember – in November. Yes, they do. And Arkansas's got a chance in November. By the way, happy birthday to my mom. Her birthday was yesterday. Lynn Bullard, if you're listening, love you. Happy birthday. 
Austin Malays Nichols says, will Arkansas get a composite five-star lineman within the next five years? Most likely need to come from inside the state. So if there's a lineman that emerges, maybe. Chris Foley says, why was KJ insisting on forcing passes into coverage when he'd have 15, 20 yards open field, third and three? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question for KJ. But I thought that was, you know, one of the one of the plays that really hurt him. Installed him there. Keith Bulger says, "Is Sam going to be interested in Brad Davis again? <laughs> when thing, I mean, things are going to shake up there. I don't know if that was the smartest move for Brad Davis. I really don't. I get what you want to go home and stuff, but the way this is shaking out, it looks like he's just going to be there a few months unless somebody retains him, which is possible." Jerome McCollum says, "Since when is picking a player up the standard for nullifying a fumble?" <laughs> exactly. Like I said, they, it's like some circular maze of logic as to why this isn't a fumble when it's obviously a fumble. Everybody was watching it was a fumble. I thought it was a fumble when I was watching. The announcers going back on replay, all of them thought it was a fumble. The rules analysts that they were talking to thought it was a fumble. The only people that didn't think it was a fumble are the referees and Auburn fans. If that's not a fumble, I'm not sure what's a fumble anymore. I mean, you're in the. It's not like there are two people, like two groups, like just like it's a stalemate. You know, blow the whistle so nobody gets hurt on a pileup. That's not what was happening. Somebody's in the process of being taken to the ground. I hate stuff like it. Seems like that kind of stuff happens all the time. You guys remember Michael Grant that time when they blew the whistle? Uh, what it was like a kickoff return. The guy, the guy didn't feel the uh, the kickoff. He dropped the kickoff, and the ref just blew the whistle. And so that was back when a whistle could, you know, end the play. And Michael Grant recovered it in the end zone, and it just ended up being – I can't even remember who Arkansas was playing. Probably Auburn. <laughs> Philip Drulin says if someone goes down with an injury, they should be out for half for safety reasons. I mean, for the half, that might be a lot. Like if somebody gets the wind knocked out of him and legitimately hurt, I don't think you should be like sent to the sideline for an entire half because you got the wind knocked out of you or you legitimately do have a cramp. But what we're seeing with Ole Miss is they're faking injuries and they're doing it blatantly. I mean, it's not even trying really. Like the acting jobs are not even that good. And you know they're not good and you know they're faking because they would come right back in. Like just a couple plays later, some guy's acting like he's just torn his ACL. Rolling around the ground, then comes right back in. I mean, that's another reason those Tennessee fans, I'm not excusing anything that they did. That was ridiculous. But that's another reason they were so pissed off during the game. Stuff like that kept happening. And everybody knows it's a big fake. Like, how does that conversation go? Like, you're talking with your trainers. Like, do the trainers know what's going on? Or are they just like, man, this is really unethical feeling? I mean, like, what what are your thoughts if you're the trainer and your head coach is like, hey, we're going to have a lot of guys get banged up in this game and just go out there, you know, do the ACL test, grab grab the hamstring, and just go through the motions. Ask them questions just like they're hurt. Treat it like it's a rehearsal. Okay, yes, boss, we're going to do that. Just weird. You see referees, like, staring at them. I wonder if they're thinking, man, this is such BS. We can't prove this guy's not hurt. It's weird.
How come none of the Ole Miss players on offense get hurt? Yeah, exactly. Just in better condition. They don't get the cramps as easy in 42-degree weather. A lot of people agreeing with Dominic Johnson. Officiating did play part and swung momentum. I mean, momentum is such a big thing in the college game. And little things like not getting it on fourth down, like analytics don't show – like what the momentum swing is. They may show like, you know, what was going to happen if you didn't get the first down and all that stuff from a statistical standpoint and stuff. But momentum is real in college football especially. And it doesn't really show what happens. And also, you know, getting a bad call by the refs. I mean, sometimes it just feels like nothing can go our way, you know. Nothing goes our right. We're all human, you know. You can't just manufacture stuff. Trey was Trey Knox hurt, says Marjorie Head Garrick. Um, I know he was hurt in the last game. He might have been a little bit banged up, but it's also, I think, Hudson Henry getting healthy too. Chad Cullen says, I'm an Auburn fan. It was a fumble. Saw the NFL game yesterday. Same type of deal, and it was a fumble. I saw that also. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching the show today. Appreciate you watching the walk and talk. Be sure to check out Curtis Wilkerson on Hog Hoops Live. You can search that on YouTube. It's also on this Facebook page and on Apple Podcasts as well. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We'll be back with you guys on Thursday to take a little deeper look at UAPB. Um, hope to have Keith Grayson on with us and, uh, and Danny West also on that day. Happy anniversary to Danny West and Ashley Joy. Um, their anniversary today that they're celebrating. So happy anniversary to you guys. And, again, happy birthday to my mom. Belated. It was her birthday yesterday. I told her birthday in person. Happy birthday. Just saying belated for the show. All right, everybody. This has been Trey Biddy with hogsports.com, and we'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.